Hey, welcome everyone. I am so glad that you are here. My name is Marty. I'm one of the pastors at Reveal. Glad that you are with us. Regardless of what platform you are on, if you are on the reveal.online.church platform, up at the very top, there's a button that says connect. Do us a favor, click connect. Give us a little bit of information about you, and we'll send you some information about us. If you are on the Facebook platform, you're just going to need to send me an email at marty at revealvineyard.com, and uh, I will then capture your email, and I'll send you some information about the church. Just want to get some stuff into your hands. You will then have my email. If there's any questions that you have, I would be happy to answer them for you. Uh, a couple things here. Uh, if you are in need of help right now, especially if you are elderly, and I know we have uh, an older population in our church uh, in cer certain numbers, uh, if you need help, then uh, we have some people that are willing to help you, whether it's grocery shopping or uh, stuff maybe uh, getting to you to a doctor's appointment or something like that. So if you'll reach out to me or someone in the church, we'll get you in touch with the right person, uh, and they will coordinate some of that. So if we can help you, please let us know. Also, one of the things you need to be aware of is coming up very soon here on Wednesday, we have a prayer and worship night. That is this Wednesday at 6.30 here at the church, in the sanctuary. It's not online. It's only live and in person. Uh, you do need to mask up, so please wear a mask that is required for you to uh, participate. But we're just going to allow some time of prayer, some time of worship, some time of reflection, some time of silence, just kind of to get us back into the swing of spiritual activities here in the church. And so I hope you'll join us. There is no child care. It's Wednesday. I know it's 630 um, you know, I'm not sure what we can expect as far as turnout, but uh, it is our first step moving that direction. The other thing I want you to know about is we have planned a soft opening for August 30th, um, and that will be moving forward, opening up the church. Now, soft opening meaning um, we're not going to have our kids' children's ministry open, at least for that first week. We're going to just kind of take it in stages, invite people back, see how all that goes, and then we'll open up children's ministry and more things as we uh, proceed forward. But it at least gives us an opportunity to start to gather. You'll hear a lot more about that coming up August 30th, so please uh, put that on your calendar. All right, uh, we are on week one of a brand new series. You are in on the ground floor of a brand new series called The Kingdom. Uh, the kingdom of God, it's one of my favorite topics in all of Scripture. Uh, it has uh, many implications in how we view ourselves, how we view sin, how we respond to sin, how we respond to suffering, and even how we view and respond to God, this idea of the kingdom. So we're going to spend a couple weeks uh, kind of diving in deep into this topic of the kingdom. Hopefully we'll gain some new insight and as always, like we always try to do here at Reveal, we will try to make this very applicable to our daily lives. Uh, what I want you to know is that the kingdom of God uh, was the principal theme that we find throughout all of Scripture, that the message of the kingdom is the theme that runs throughout Scripture, and it was the primary message of Jesus during his earthly ministry. Now, the idea of a kingdom is foreign to us because we have limited, tangible, real-world examples of what a kingdom is or how a kingdom functions. 
We know about the magic kingdom that will set you back $140 a day per person, plus food and souvenirs, because all of the rides exit through the gift shop. When we meet back together, all of the rooms will exit through the offering shop. We're just borrowing a page right out of Disneyland. So, uh, so we know about the Magic Kingdom. Uh, you know, we uh, maybe we, uh, by the way, on the Magic Kingdom, if you've not ridden the Rise of the Resistance, what are you doing with your life, Matt? It is well worth the price of admission, and you're welcome. I promise you that. So we know about the Magic Kingdom. We know about the United Kingdom and the royal family that is void of power. They're just a figurehead. We know about the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, but what we know about them is oil. That's about all that we understand uh, about them. We have a a limited understanding of this idea of a kingdom, how it works and what it looks like. And while foreign to modernity, uh, throughout antiquity, humanity was very well aware of this idea of a kingdom, this idea of an empire, how they looked and how they functioned. 2,000 years ago, the world was ruled by the Roman Empire. Um, It was an empire that stretched all the way from England to Africa, from Syria to Spain. One out of every four people on earth lived and died under Roman law. That was a pretty large kingdom, a pretty large empire. The pervading influence of the time throughout all of the Roman kingdom, the Roman Empire, uh, was held by one individual, the Roman emperor. Now, Julius Caesar was the first to be named Caesar for life or ruler for life by the Roman Senate. Uh, During the time of Jesus, it was Tiberius Julius Caesar Augustus, who was the Caesar up until 37 AD. Now, a Roman emperor not only held the power to what was considered the world, but they were also seen as gods. They were Uh, Over time, they began to be worshipped. There are still houses of worship, temples that are still standing in honor of uh, the the worship of Caesar. It was expected to pay homage to Caesar. It is into this kingdom that Jesus makes his appearance. And what is the message of Jesus? He begins to talk about another kingdom. Not the kingdom of Rome, but the kingdom of God. Uh, The kingdom, the central message of Jesus, his message, his central message, it wasn't love, it wasn't forgiveness, it wasn't even salvation, it wasn't do unto others. The the, The central push, the thrust behind the message of Jesus was the kingdom of God. Every biblical scholar who is worth anything would agree that the the primary message of Jesus was on this idea of the kingdom. Look at Mark 1. Jesus says this, Uh, After John was put into prison, Jesus went, uh, or Mark, I should say, said this, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, and here it is, the kingdom, listen, the kingdom of God has come near. Another translation says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Look at Matthew's comment on this. Jesus went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming what? The good news of the kingdom. Right Here's this idea, this kingdom of God. And then Luke puts it this way in Luke's gospel. At daybreak, Jesus went out into a solitary place. The people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried, tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim what? The good news of the kingdom. 
Why does he have to proclaim the good news of the kingdom? Catch this. That is why I was sent. Here, the kingdom of God was not part of his message. The kingdom of God was his message in full. That is even why he came. It's why Jesus put on flesh to walk among us, this idea of the kingdom of God. Now, in Western Christianity, we elevate the message of salvation, uh, individual salvation, right? We elevate individual salvation, individual regeneration. Uh, we are taken out of darkness and placed into his light, a new kingdom, as Colossians 1 talks about. We are, we are transferred into a new department, a new kingdom. Uh, it then becomes easy for us in the Western uh, world of Christianity to begin to think that the primary push of the message of Jesus was salvation. But it wasn't. We are, we are selling his message short, right? We're, we're removing too much of the fullness of what his message actually was. Now listen, we want to celebrate salvation. We want to proclaim salvation. We want to preach salvation. We want to celebrate all that comes with salvation and the changed lives that come with it. The message of salvation certainly is not correct, but it is not complete. There's more to the message. The Bible is the story of God's kingdom. More accurately, accurately, we could say it's the story of God's kingdom breaking in among us. It's the story of God's kingdom breaking in among his creation. So if the message of Jesus was the kingdom, what did he mean by the kingdom? That's something we need to wrestle with. What exactly is this idea of the kingdom? What did Jesus mean when he said the kingdom of God is near, or the kingdom of God is at hand? Is the kingdom of God heaven? Is it something out there that we wait for one day, waiting for somewhere out there, we'll experience the kingdom? Is that what the kingdom is? Is the kingdom of God a way of thinking? Is it a mindset? Is it something that we tap into? Is that, is that what the kingdom is? Is Jesus the kingdom? When Jesus left, did he take the kingdom with him? Are we now waiting for the kingdom to return? What exactly is this idea of the kingdom of God? And that's what we're going to unpack today. We're going to look at elements that make up a kingdom. We're going to put all this together and make it applicable to all of our lives here as we go along. Elements of the kingdom. Here's the first thing I'd like us to consider. That every kingdom, every kingdom has a culture. We can call it a little bit different. You know, maybe we call it, uh, we don't call it a kingdom. Maybe we call it a state. Maybe we call it a country. Uh, every kingdom has a culture. It's a social behavior. It's customs and characteristics uh, of a particular group of people. Every kingdom has a culture. Now, Israel, way back in the day, was having a string of bad luck. But it wasn't just bad luck for a day. It wasn't even a rough month or a disappointing year. It was 400 years of bad luck, 400 years of an entire nation being held in captivity to their Roman or to their Egyptian masters. Now, you've probably read the story or you saw the movie or maybe you saw the cartoon, but you know that God raised up a deliverer, Moses, to deliver his people out of that bondage. And he uh, demanded, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, 
Oh, baby, let my people go. No one from children's church? Nothing? No one? Yeah. Okay, moving right along. Uh, God then cranked up the special effects, right? And, and he sent these, these plagues to convince Pharaoh to let his people go, to release them out of captivity. Not only did he convince Pharaoh to let them go, but Pharaoh gave them parting gifts on their way out like gold and silver and clothing and jewelry, whatever they asked for, the people of Egypt, the Egyptian people, they were just giving it to them. Like, just take it and leave, right? So now we fast forward. We fast forward and Israel is now on the other side of the Red Sea. Pharaoh and his army, they're a thing of the past, right? They're not going to bother them anymore. Before them is the sweet land of promise that would soon be theirs. Maybe, or would it, right? There were some complications. See, the plagues to convince Pharaoh were impressive, but the real work of God began now. I mean, the, the plagues were all cool, and there were some, uh, you know, they were those awe, those awe moments and shock and awe, and it was awesome. But, but, but hey, let, let's just be honest that, that the, uh, the real work of God began on the other side of the sea. Because although God brought his people out of bondage, now he needed to get the bondage out of his people. And that took time. That took work. Because when all you know is slavery, then all you do is what a slave does. And so now God had to literally begin to change the culture of his people. He had to begin to change the thinking. The challenge was to teach Israel what it looked like to live in a new kingdom and under a new king with a new culture. Because as long as they identified with the old kingdom, Egypt, and with the old king, Pharaoh, they would never experience all that the new kingdom and the new king had to offer them. And it reminds me of this, this idea that the identity you embrace will determine the future you experience. See, as long as, as their identity was the old king, the old kingdom, then that was going to determine the future that they would experience. And we see it time and time again. Every time they identified with the old kingdom, something went wrong. Every time they, they, they detach from this new kingdom and a new culture and the king of the kingdom, things started to go bad. The reality of it is for all of us that the identity that we embrace will always determine the future that we experience. In other words, we will never rise above whoever or whatever we identify ourselves with. We, in effect, put a cap on our lives. So this idea uh, that our identity can either be our prison or it can be our platform from which to soar. This means that, that, that you and I, we are more than just um, man, woman, husband, father, mother, uh, wife. You are more than your origin of birth, more than a family name, more than an education, more than a reputation, more than a paycheck, more than title, more than position. You are more than your past. Right? This is what God was trying to teach Israel, that God brought them out of a life of slavery, and now he had to move them beyond the mindset of a slave. Because whatever you identify yourself with, whatever identity you embrace will determine the future 
that you experience. And this is still the challenge for us today. We know that God must convince us that who is in us is greater than what has been placed upon us. I'm assuming you're saying amen right now in your living room or wherever you are. The challenge is for God to convince his new people in a new kingdom, serving a new God, that the God in us is greater than whatever has been placed upon us. And so God brought them out of bondage, and now came the hard part, imparting the new realities of this new kingdom and what life looks like under a new king and a new kingdom culture. Now, one of the ways that God influenced his people uh, was he inserted himself in the midst of the people. One of the ways that God influenced them both towards his kingship and toward kingdom culture is he inserted his presence. He dwelled among the people. During Israel's 40-year desert campout, God gave an entire nation the picture of what their camp was supposed to look like. And he was very detailed. He took the 12 tribes of Israel. He said, each of them has a location and he put them in a circle. And then in the middle of the camp, in the middle of the circle, what did he place there? The tabernacle. And what was the tabernacle? The tabernacle was a place of worship. It was a place of connecting. It was a place of renewal. The tabernacle was seen as the dwelling place. And that word dwell is going to become important. It was the dwelling place of God. Now, God certainly was not confined to a tent, but he positioned himself in a way that we could understand. And so God paints this picture and says, look, you do whatever you need to do in life. Set up the, 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 the people uh, around and in the middle of life, in the middle of everything, what's there? God says, it's me. He's trying to teach them something trying to teach them about a new kingdom, a new king, and a new culture. And he dwelled among the people. That, that, that's important. See, the plan of the kingdom was always, always for the king of the kingdom to dwell among the people that he loves. That was always the plan. The entirety of scripture can be summed up with three words. Uh, God with us. The entire scripture, uh, the entire story of scripture can be summed up with those three words. What was the creation account? God with us, right? In Eden. What was the tabernacle? God with us, God with his people. Advent, Christmas, the coming of the Christ child. What is it? We call him Emmanuel. What does it mean? It means God with us. Pentecost is what? It's the Holy Spirit being poured out upon all beings. What is it? It's God with us. And then at the end of time, when God makes it all right, when God creates a new heaven and a new earth, what is the picture that we're left with at the end of Scripture? It's Revelation 21.3 that says God's dwelling place. There it is again. God's dwelling place is where? Among his people. It's always been the plan of the king to dwell among his people. And so God, in his process to begin to transform a nation, he inserts himself among his people, and the rebranding process continues. Think, think of it like this. 
They're receiving a new identity, living, learning how to live in a new kingdom where God is king. God was leaving his mark upon them, but it did not happen quickly because they, like us, are stubborn and easily distracted. This idea of rebranding, it continues in the New Testament. Right? Jesus says, the kingdom of God is at hand. What does, he says, what does he say next? He says, repent and believe in the gospel. Well, what is this idea of repentance? What, 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 what does that mean? Re- repentance carries with it this idea of changing one's mind, having a change of mind, to change your thinking. You, you, you change from a kingdom of darkness, and you turn, and you place yourself now moving toward a kingdom of light, the kingdom of of God. It's a change of thinking. It's a change of being. It's a change uh, uh, of the core of who you are. And so Jesus says, hey, here's the gift of repentance, right? Change, have a change of mind, a change of attitude towards sin. Stop going towards a kingdom of darkness, and I'm going to transfer you into a kingdom of light. And what happened when people embraced that message of repentance in the first century. The rebranding process began. Teaching new followers of Christ what it looks like to live in a new kingdom under a new king with a new culture, right? What does it look like? Kingdom values, kingdom characteristics. What does it look like to live in this new kingdom culture? And that rebranding, we don't call it that, uh, and Scripture doesn't call it that. Scripture calls it sanctification, right? Separating, setting apart. Rebranding continues today. What happens when uh, you or I repent of our sin? We have a change of mind, a change of direction. We turn toward a new kingdom. We were uh, brought out of sin, and now God is in the process of getting sin out of us. We were brought out of slavery, and now God is in the process of getting the mindset of slavery Out of us, the Bible calls it uh, sanctification, right? We're being set apart. We're being separated. We're we're, we're being separated from from this line, this way of thinking, and we're, we're, we're now being molded into a new being. Not positionally, we're already declared holy. Uh, But now there is this progression that is occurring. God is continuing the work that he started in each one of us. Every kingdom has a culture. We know the world's culture. That's easy to see. Uh, And we know Satan's culture because that's easy to see. And we spent plenty of time in that culture. It comes easy to us, right? It's a a culture of sin. And it's a, 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 a culture of excess. And it's a culture of sickness. And it's a culture of selfishness and abuse and hate and I mean, goodness, war and suicide and pain and racism and genocide. We, we know the kingdom of darkness. That's easy to see. But for those who embrace repentance, we are no longer part of that culture. We are in a new kingdom now, and God is trying to get us to step into a new kingdom culture. It's kingdom culture that tells us love prevails over hate. It's kingdom culture that says forgiveness is more powerful than bitterness. Kingdom culture that says mercy triumphs over judgment. It's kingdom culture that says it's better to give than to receive. It's values of the kingdom that says that you should prefer others above yourself. It's the kingdom that says if you want to be great, then become a servant of all. This is the kingdom culture. 
It is kingdom values that says that, that, that as far be it with you, be at peace with everyone. You make that decision. Kingdom culture says that faith trumps fear, that peace rules over anxiety. Kingdom culture uh, helps us to interpret conflict and, and influences how we sit through suffering. This is the value of the kingdom. This is a kingdom culture that God is now rebranding us into, recreating us that we would reflect the culture of the kingdom. So let me just ask you, what culture are you living in? What culture are you reflecting? See, it's good every now and then to take a step back. And it's difficult maybe over, over, over the arc of, of a year, but hey, let's just take the last month. Which culture have you demonstrated? Was it the, the, the culture of the kingdom or was it the culture of the world? Was it the kingdom of God or was it the kingdom of Satan? What, what, what does that look like? Because God is bringing his people into kingdom culture. Let's look at the second element of a kingdom. Here's the idea that a kingdom has a sole authority. Always. A kingdom has a sole authority. Now, again, we have very little experience with this and our system of government uh, no one has full authority, and we like it like that. Checks and balances, right? We, it, it's healthier, it's safer. In our system, someone holds position because they were voted in. And if we don't like the job they're doing, we can vote them out. But in a kingdom, you have no say. The king of that kingdom has authority that you did not determine. You did not vote him in, and you will never vote him out. They have Here's the word, exclusive authority. They have dominion over their kingdom. Look at what Jesus says in Luke 10. Heal the sick. He's talking to his disciples. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom, here it is again, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Now, now what is Jesus trying to say? What is the connection between the healing and the kingdom. Remember, every kingdom has a sole authority. What is Jesus getting at? Well, understand this. This is important. The kingdom of God is not a location. The kingdom of God is not heaven. The kingdom of God is wherever the authority of God is made visible. Wherever the authority of God is present. Why? Because every kingdom has an authority. And so wherever the king goes, the king's authority goes with him. And that means the king's dome or the king's domain goes with the king. And so quite literally, the kingdom of God, when Jesus says the kingdom of among, uh, is among you, what he's saying is that the rule and the reign and the authority of God, the kingdom of God has broken in among you. And so Jesus said, hey, you go and heal the sick and then tell them, the kingdom of God has come near. What does that mean specifically? Heal them and tell them that the authority of God, the rule and the reign of God has broken in. That's why healing has come. And wherever the rule and the reign of God is, that is where the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God over sickness, 
right? And over the demonic or, or, or whatever else it needs to, to overcome. That is the kingdom. It's the rule and the reign of God. It's why when we read in the New Testament about healing or deliverance or anything along that line, uh, there is this idea of Jesus saying the kingdom of God has come. The rule and the reign and the authority of God has broken in among you. Understand that Jesus not only proclaimed the kingdom, but he demonstrated the kingdom. He demonstrated this rule and the authority and the reign of God over sickness and over the demonic uh, and over strongholds. Uh, that, that is what he, he'd only, he not only preached the kingdom, he demonstrated what the kingdom is all about, what the rule and the reign of God looks like. So Jesus proclaimed the kingdom. He demonstrated the kingdom. And why? Because Jesus is himself the kingdom. Jesus is the rule and the reign of God put on authority for us to see. This is why early church fathers referred to Jesus as himself the kingdom. That Jesus was the kingdom of God in flesh. What, what, what does that mean? It means that wherever Jesus went, the rule, the reign, and the power of God went with him, meaning the king's dome, the king's domain went with him. Jesus demonstrated the rule, the reign, and the power of God. It is the kingdom of God. Why? Because God has ultimate authority. And when the kingdom draws near, the authority of God is put on display. Now, let's bring this a little closer to home. Because I think we like this idea of ultimate authority when we're talking about uh, healing or enemies or demonic things. Uh, but it changes a little bit when ultimate authority comes a little closer to home. Here's, here's what I mean. Think about it this way. If you have a home, then in a sense, you are the king or queen of your castle, of your kingdom. As such, you have a right to determine the rules, the regulations, and the culture of your kingdom, of your castle. Why? Because every kingdom has a sole authority. You are the authority over your kingdom, over your home. That means the culture of my kingdom, my home, may not look like the culture at your home. The culture at my kingdom, when my kids were younger, was really loud. Somebody was singing, playing instruments, playing video games, fighting with the sibling, sometime all at the same time. If you came to my house when my children were younger and you didn't like the culture of my kingdom because it was too loud, I didn't care. Why? Because you have no authority in my kingdom. As I don't have authority in your kingdom, I can't come into your castle where you are the king of your kingdom and I can't look at the paint color on your wall and say, yeah, you should change that. I can't tell you to change the furniture in your kingdom. Why? Because I have no authority in your kingdom because you are the sole authority in your kingdom. We're, we're going somewhere, I, I, I promise you. Here's where it is. God is the sole authority of his kingdom. Listen. Meaning, I cannot bring my agenda. I cannot bring my rules. I cannot bring my culture. I cannot bring my preference into his kingdom and then expect him to bless it. Because every kingdom has a ruling authority. I cannot expect to be the authority in someone else's kingdom. 
but we do it all the time. We bring our, our preferences. We, we bring uh, uh, all of uh, our rules, our regulations, our, our if then, and we bring it all and we, and we place it to God. And we say, now, blessed God, I know I'm in your kingdom, but I want my rules to apply in your kingdom. And God's like, it can't work like that. Because every kingdom has a sole authority. Here is my last thought. A kingdom seeks to expand its territory. A kingdom seeks to expand its territory. Every kingdom seeks to expand its influence. Now, this is lost on us again today uh, because there is no last frontier. Um, All land is claimed. It's neatly divided by uh, borders. But even today, there is some debate as to who's going to claim the moon. Why? Because every kingdom wants to expand. And so there's this debate, everyone's racing to say who gets to claim the moon. Arizona is proof of this, really. Uh, in 1853, the United States purchased what is known, what is now Southern Arizona in what the, the Gatson Purchase, right? It's Tucson and Yuma, all in that Southern part of Arizona. We purchased it from Mexico. I say, just give it back. There's nothing good in Tucson. But here's this idea of every kingdom, kingdom of America, that wants to expand. And it is true today. Every kingdom desires to expand its influence, including the kingdom of sin and the kingdom of darkness. The desire of that kingdom is to expand. Satan will use whatever means necessary to claim more territory of your heart, of my heart, of your mind, of my mind. It doesn't matter what it is. What what works for me may not work for you. What works for you may not work for me, whether it's an addiction or bitterness or an image or a click of something that we did in private or a memory that he can stir up from the past or an unhealthy relationship. Anything that will allow his kingdom to gain territory. This is... This is kingdoms in conflict, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness in conflict with one another. We'll talk about that later in this series. But in the same way, there is a good king who rules over a good kingdom, who also wants his kingdom to expand, who also wants to expand his influence to the people that he loves. Uh, 2 Peter 3, uh, I think it is, that says that, that God is patient that he wants no one to get caught outside of the walls of the kingdom. Paraphrasing, right? He wants everyone to have an opportunity to get in to his kingdom, to be part of his kingdom, to be part of his family. He's inviting everyone in. Why? Because God's kingdom needs to expand. He, He wants more territory, more people. He wants more of your heart. This is why when Jesus was asked, teach us to pray, one of the things he said was, hey, let, let your kingdom come and your will be done. What is he saying? Let, let the reign and the rule of God come and be established in me. When we pray for his kingdom to come, for his authority to come, for his rule, his reign to come, we're in effect saying, let my kingdom go. Let my rule, my reign, my authority over my life, I am, I'm, I'm surrendering it to a greater king of a greater kingdom. 
This is why when Scripture says, hey, to seek first the kingdom of God, what is it saying? It's saying to seek first that the rule and the reign of God may firmly be established in you. I mean, that, 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 that's, that's powerful. If, if we don't understand what the kingdom is, we think, well, seek first the kingdom. Well, what does it mean? It, it's literally saying, let, let, the, let the rule and the reign of God, seek that the rule and reign and the authority of God would come near to us. Seek first. Let, let me leave us with this. God's plan to expand his kingdom is you, and it's me. We are God's plan A, and he has no plan B. We have been entrusted with the kingdom message. The kingdom message, the gospel message has been placed in our hearts and into our hands. And now we are the ones who take that message forward. God placed it in us. And then he said, now you go. Right? One of the last things that Jesus told us before he left. All authority has been given to me. You now go and make disciples where of all nations. Teach people what it means to be a follower of the king. Teach people what it looks like to live in the kingdom culture. Disciple. Teach people what it means. You go and you expand the kingdom. You represent kingdom culture in a world that is void of kingdom culture. You show the world what it looks like to be people in this new kingdom. See, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Now notice, he didn't say that my kingdom is not in this world. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. Meaning that my kingdom does not gain its power, does not gain its influence. My source, the source for my kingdom does not come from this world. This means, listen please, this means that for kingdom people, our effectiveness depends on where we are drawing the source. See, if you're at a lake, you want the boat in the lake, you want a boat in the water, but you don't want water in the boat. That, that, that's a bad thing. Jesus wants his people in the world, but he does not want the world in his people. Jesus says, my kingdom, my, my kingdom can be in the world, but my kingdom is not sourced from the world. Our, our source is spiritual, it's divine, it's the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit poured out, poured into us. Think of it this way. Currently, there are five people on the International Space Station, uh, launched April 9th of this year. For the astronauts to survive in that world, that kingdom, we could say, they need resources from this world, from this kingdom. One of the issues with living in space is something we rarely think about. Fresh air, oxygen, right? Um, the oxygen system on the International Space System system is their source. Follow me. That source comes from another world. For them to be effective in that world, they needed resources, they needed power, they needed authority from this world. For them to thrive in that world, they needed power from this world or that world would quite literally destroy them. I hope you see where we're going with this. Jesus says that my kingdom, it's in this world, but it's not of this world. And if we're going to be effective in this world, then we're going to need power, not from this world, but from another world. If we're going to thrive as 
people of the kingdom in this world, then I need authority from that world. If we're going to be effective, if we're going to uh, expand the kingdom in this world, then I need the rule and reign of another world to be present in this world, or this world quite literally will destroy us spiritually. See, this is what we are left with as kingdom people who are living in a new kingdom, under a new God, new king, with a new kingdom culture. See, without power from that world, this world destroys us. We have no testimony. We have no voice. We have no effectiveness. Every kingdom wants to expand. God's kingdom at this moment, there are people in your life that God wants to use you to expand his kingdom. And right now you have names and images flashing in your mind's eye, and that very well could be the Holy Spirit that's trying to speak to you. Because you carry the kingdom message. You are God's plan A. Here, here's, there's this phrase, it's one of the hills that we die on. It's the phrase that everyone gets to play. What, what, what does it mean? It means that everyone gets to participate in the kingdom. Everyone is an important kingdom player. Everyone has something to add to make the kingdom what it should be. Everyone has something to add to make the kingdom expand. Everyone has something to add in the local church and the universal church as a whole that that everyone gets to play. doesn't matter how long you've been in the kingdom. It doesn't matter what your past kingdom experience was. Everyone in God's kingdom gets to be a participant in expanding that kingdom. So let me just ask you, if everyone gets to play, how's your game? What does that look like for you today? Are you a kingdom player? Are you reflecting kingdom culture? Are you operating out of a kingdom power, the Holy Spirit given to us? So I have have three challenges for you today to help expand the kingdom. The first one is this, that you would simply invite someone to church. If you go to our website, uh, revealvineyard.com, there will be a little tab that says invite. You can click on that. And there are invitations on there, some that are specific now just for online church. In other words, someone can click to tag in, and if they don't like it, they can click to get out, and no one's going to know. It really is a prime opportunity for you to invite someone to your church to see what they think of your church, to see what God might do through a simple invitation. Now, that's a simple one, one that gets a little bit more difficult. Demonstrate kingdom culture. The reason I say it's a little bit more difficult because we're always being influenced from another culture, right? The antithesis of the kingdom culture. We're being influenced by a culture of sin, a culture of selfishness. So it, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a little bit more effort, especially depending what life has looked like for you lately. Reflect the kingdom culture of the king. And then here's another challenge. So you can invite someone simply to church, easy. Begin to demonstrate kingdom culture, meaning you're going to have to die to yourself, a little harder. And then here's when you can demonstrate the kingdom among people who are close to you. Demonstrate the power of the kingdom. Pray for the rule and the reign of God to break in among us. Pray that the rule and the reign and the authority of God breaks in and does what only God can do. That means begin to listen for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. 
Maybe he has a word to give you for someone else. It might even be someone you don't know. It might be someone in a grocery store. Hey, you're in a mask now. Very few people will recognize you. Now's a good time to risk. No one's going to know who you are when this is over. Great opportunity. So begin to listen. Begin to demonstrate what kingdom authority looks like. Step out of your comfort zone, and that's going to require you listening. What is God up to? Listening to the Holy Spirit, and then boldness to step out. You, I, we are God's plan A, and there is no plan B. Every kingdom has a culture. The kingdom of God has a culture. Every kingdom has a soul authority. We have a soul authority. We cannot write our own culture into his kingdom. And every king, every kingdom wants to expand its territory. The kingdom of God is seeking to expand. We have opportunity today for the church to rise up and be the church to represent kingdom culture, that the kingdom of God may be expanded. Let's pray. Lord, just starting off on a a new topic, uh, one that I love, the kingdom of God, it really does alter everything in our Christian walk. It brings things into perspective. It, it, it helps us understand suffering because we're, we're, we are really, although the kingdom of God breaks in among us right now, we are living in the kingdom of Satan, the archon. It's the, the kingdom of, of death right now. And we pray that the kingdom of God would break in among us because when the kingdom of God comes, the sole authority of God drives out the kingdom of darkness drives out the, the kingdom of destruction and the kingdom of sickness and sin and, and abuse and, and all that comes with it. And so we're praying, kingdom of God, come. Holy Spirit, come. Let the rule and the reign and the authority of God break in among us. Give us a fresh understanding of what the kingdom of God is, how it applies to us, uh, how we move and breathe and live and function in it. I want to just take a moment and reflect on that question. Are we reflecting the culture of the kingdom? And if you would say no, now's a time to repent. Have a change of mind. Right? Change your thinking. Change your direction. The question, have you yielded to the sole authority of the kingdom? Or have you embraced the kingdom and then written your own declaration into the kingdom? Have you tried to blend your kingdom and his kingdom? Have you taken your rules, your regulations, your authority, your thoughts, your ideas, your plans, and given it to God and say, now bless my kingdom in your kingdom? There might be an opportunity for repentance, an opportunity to submit and yield to the sole authority of the kingdom. Hey, what part are you playing in expanding the kingdom of God? Are you using your gifts and your talents and your abilities to sow into uh, the kingdom agenda, the kingdom message, that we may be part of expanding the kingdom 
for the time that we have been given here on this earth. And Lord, that is our desire, to be kingdom participants. Everyone gets to play. So keep this topic, Holy Spirit, fresh on our minds, fresh on our hearts. Challenge us throughout the days and weeks ahead to step out and risk. Show us who it is that we should invite. Speak to us when we are not, when we are not demonstrating kingdom culture. And give us opportunity to step out of our comfort zone to see what God might do when we pray and expect for the rule and the reign of God to break in among us, the kingdom of God to break in among us. That is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, listen. Wednesday is our worship and prayer uh, event here at the church, 6.30. Mask up, no child care. I hope you will join us for that. Soft opening, August 30th. You'll be hearing a lot more uh, about that. And uh, we'll probably have one other event here at the church before that soft opening on the 30th. Just an opportunity to get us all back together. We are going to have a Sunday check-in on August um, 2nd, I believe. We're just going to make an opportunity for you to come in on a Sunday, probably around 1 o'clock. We'll have T-shirts for sale, really cheap. It's not a money grab. We'll uh, give you some window decals. We're going to have back-to-school little bags for the kids. And we're going to be passing out communion supplies because we're going to take communion together virtually online. And so we want to get some of those communion supplies in your hands. God bless you. I will see you soon. Cue the outro music.